you don't have your Bibles, there's one provided for you in front of you, and I'm going to use a little bit of a translation. It'll be up on the screen for you. Today we're going to use the Amplified Version of the Bible, the Amplified Version of the Bible. And when we look into the Amplified Version, it does what to the Scriptures? What do you think? It amplifies the Scripture. That's exactly what it does. Just like a, a guitar player, when he gets his a guitar plugged into an amplifier, it amplifies that Scripture. And this is what the Amplified Bible, if you don't have a copy of it, uh, it's incredible. To, it's worth the purchase to buy one. And it's really my cheat notes, if you will, when I preach. That's where I get all my extra from, uh, besides the other commentaries and things, but the Bible on the Bible, commentary on the Bible. So Isaiah 53 is what I want to read today. And the message is this Good Friday is for our transgressions. This is something that um, we think about, and sometimes we don't think about, I should say, our sins, how heavy our sins are before the Lord Jesus Christ, before a holy God, which is hard for you and I to comprehend, but how our sins are before him. This is written by the prophet Isaiah some five to 600 years before Jesus actually came to this earth. So this is God speaking to a man, man speaking to people throughout all of history. We hear this being spoken. Isaiah 53, beginning in verse 1. Who has believed confidently, trusted in, relied on, or adhered to our message of salvation? And to whom, if not us, has the arm and infinite power of the Lord been revealed? For he, the servant of God, grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a tender plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no stately form or majestic splendor that we should look on him, nor handsome appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and pain and acquainted with grief, and like one from whom men hid their faces. He was despised and we did not appreciate his worth. Or esteem him, but in fact he has borne our griefs, and he has carried our sorrows and pains. Yet we ignorantly assumed that he was stricken, struck by God, and degraded and humiliated by him. But he was wounded for our transgressions; he was crushed for our wickedness, our sin, our injustice, our wrongdoing. The punishment required for our well-being fell on him, and by his stripes or his wounds we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. We have turned each one to his own way. But the Lord has caused the wickedness of us all, our sin, our injustice, our wrongdoing, to fall on him instead of us. Verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth to complain or defend himself. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that is silent before her shearers, so he did not open his mouth. After oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, his contemporaries, whom among them concerned him with the fact that he was cut off from the land of the living by his death. For the transgression of my people to whom the stroke of death was due, his grave was assigned with the wicked, but he was with a rich man in his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth, yet the Lord was willing to crush him causing him to, be, to suffer. If he would give himself as a guilt offering, an atonement for sin, he shall see his spiritual offspring. He shall prolong his days. And the will or the good pleasure of the Lord shall succeed and prosper in his hand. As a result of an anguish of his soul, he shall see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge of what he has accomplished, the righteous one, my servant shall justify the many, making them righteous, upright before God, in right standing with him, 
For he shall bear the responsibility for their sins. Therefore I will divide and give him a portion with the great kings and rulers. For he shall divide the spoils with the mighty, because he willingly poured out his life to death and was counted among the transgressors. Yet he himself bore and took away the sin of many and, and interceded with the Father for the transgressors. Let's pray together. Father, we read this prophecy that was to be fulfilled when Jesus died on the cross. Father, we're overwhelmed, but yet, Lord, we understand that it's a God, a perfect God with whom we pray. You, our Father, have every detail of life. There is no past, present, future with you. Lord, you're forever existent. And Father, when you put a plan together for the life of Jesus and even for our lives today, we're mentioned in this scripture some five to 600 years before Jesus, and we know that's been some 2,000 years ago that Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and rose again. So Lord, this ancient scripture that we read, you had us on your mind today, those of us that are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And to that, Lord, we are grateful. Lord, we're humbled to think that you were thinking of us so long ago. Even before the foundation of the earth, this was your plan. Father, without words, we are just silent because you're holy and we don't fully understand that except that you make us righteous. You make us holy in your presence because of the blood of Jesus Christ. We need you. We love you. Lord, help us walk this life day by day. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Hey, let me show you a couple of things in the scripture and you can read for yourself. I know that very well. But Isaiah wrote this prophetic picture of the suffering of the Savior Jesus Christ. Like I told you before, it's five to six hundred years. Scholars debate that. But this is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ that he would actually suffer for our transgressions. And we know we have the records of the Gospels. If we go read the end of the Gospels today, that we have that record in the Bible that Jesus actually went before Pontius Pilate, that the Jewish leadership asked for him to be crucified. The Pilate said, I found no wrongdoing in him, had him scourged and said, listen, let's give him back to the people. And the people rejected him. That was prophetic that his own would not receive him as their savior. Is that not prophetic for us today that it seems like we reject him the same way? So many people have so many different things to do besides worship the Lord Jesus Christ to give him just a small portion of our life. And really it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's not church attendance, but it's actually worship of him in spirit and the truth. Jesus came to earth at the precise time God the Father planned. And he came to save his people from their sins. And I asked Melissa to put these up on the, on the board for you. What's this? This is something I want you to see out of this Isaiah passage before we break for lunch. Isaiah asked a pointed question, who has confidently believed this message of salvation? Now, this message was directed primarily to the Jews initially because the Jews were always first, right? The gospel is the good news. Romans 1.16 tells us, right? Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God into salvation, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile or the Greek. That's you and me. If we don't have a Jewish background, he was saying, listen, the Jews are in front of the line. And because Jesus was a Jewish man, he came for his own people. And John 1 tells us his own people rejected him. They turned away from him. And is that not happening today? So many people want so many different religions today. And on this Good Friday, people just buzz right through Good Friday, though, we don't necessarily call it the Holy Week, even though Christendom talks about a Holy Week. Uh, we talk about the Holy One instead of the Holy Week, right? Our focus is on Jesus Christ, keeping the main thing the main thing. Not just ceremonies and not just different events, not just a Good Friday service, not just a luncheon, right? How many of us came out for great sandwiches today and soup? 
That was not our intention. Our intention is to worship the Lord Jesus Christ and then gather around the table with fellowship. And then if we have to go back to work, get back to work or go back to our other duties that we have today. It's a time of us being the people of God, surrounded by the word of God. So Isaiah asked this question to the people so long ago, but yet I think it's resounding to us today. Who in this room has confidently believed the message of salvation? And I don't think you would be here today if you hadn't unless someone invited you, but the message is very pointed and very clear, and it's even found in Isaiah 53. Also, you'll notice that we have the prophecies of God We have the miracles of God, and today we are blessed to have the revelation of God through Jesus Christ. We have his word. We have all 66 books. You and I carry around the library today of God telling us how much he loves us, God telling us how much he actually hates wickedness, and how God telling us, listen, there is a way out of wickedness and out of lostness is through the blood of Jesus Christ. This Good Friday, this weekend, is what it's all about. We know that Friday is not the end of the story. We know that Sunday's coming because we can't preach a death. Anybody can die for anyone, right? There's been many martyrs in the past that died for a cause, but we know that we serve a living Lord Jesus Christ. We, we have to give away the end game, right, the, the end story, because uh, today's just the day that's leading to Sunday. Jesus had to die, die today to take on the sins of all of us, but we know that the, he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, just as he said. We have an awesome God, Amen. Well, I want you to see this. Jesus bore our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we, like the Jewish leadership, despise Jesus. How many of you were saved, just as a question, how many of you were saved as a child, as a young child, all right? How many were saved as a teenager or an adult? And that would be me in that case. Either way, we understand that we have sins, right? We have sinned against God. We have to come to that recognition we cannot be saved until we look into the mirror of ourselves and say, I am a sinful being. That's why we talk with children many times. Kids want to be baptized. We say, before we're baptized, let's talk to you about what it means to be a Christian. You cannot become a Christian until you understand the recognition that you are a sinner. You have to confront your sin saying, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Jesus Christ is the only Savior. So that's why we don't just baptize anyone who says, I've asked Jesus into my heart. That's not what it's about. It's about getting sin out that he takes away for you when you confess it and having Christ in whenever you confess him as your Lord and Savior. It is a process by which so easily that a child can understand it, a teenager can understand it, but yet it's so complicated so many people say, I don't understand it. If there's anybody in this room that understands it, please explain it to this pastor because I don't fully understand it either. How is an infinite God, how is even where I'm from, we'd say, how does he even mess around with somebody like me, right? A finite man. How does a holy God love a sinner like me? We know that he created us in the beginning. We know that Adam and Eve sinned against him. We know that we were separated from him. But why would he even care? And because he's a God who loves us. Yet we, like these Jewish leadership, that we despise him when they yelled and led the crowd, crucify him, crucify him this, this Good Friday. Something that's very, it's in songs and other places we find, he was wounded for our transgressions. Our transgressions, what does that big word mean? It simply means what? Sins. We, Jesus took upon our sins. He was wounded. His stripes, every stripe that was placed on him was for you and for me. Every, even the spear in the side and, and even the crucifixion was because of you and because of me. Every sin that we've ever done before. Listen, we were born in the sin, the Bible says. There is no no matter your background, some backgrounds in our uh, local churches, they'll, they'll christen the baby and say, listen, you're, all your sins are, you get a fresh start as a baby. All your sins are forgiven through this water of sprinkling of water. 
That is not found in Scripture. The Bible says every man, woman, boy, and girl is born into sin, right? Every human is born into sin because of our mothers, because of their mothers, and because of Adam and Eve, our grandparents, our grandfather and grandmother. We're all born into sin. Therefore, we all need a personal Savior. It's not a family salvation. It is a personal salvation one-on-one. Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. The Bible says he was crushed for our wickedness, our sins, our injustices, and our wrongdoings. Everybody wants justice, right? But do we really want justice today? If you stood up and wanted justice and you demand justice from God, what would you get? You'd get hell. We, and I, we, you, we all deserve, the justice we deserve is hell because we're sinners. We're unholy. But yet the justice God talks about, listen, he brings about, is through the blood of Jesus Christ. We can't outrun the blood of Jesus Christ. In our culture today, who wants to talk about blood, right? I told you when we go to Chick-fil-A, we don't think about a chicken being killed for our number one, right? We, we think about, I just want a number one and make it hot, right? That's all we think about. Same thing here. When we think about a Savior who shed his blood for you and me, it's something we don't want to talk about in our culture because we're so far away from it. It sounds so barbaric some people would say and yet it was very cruel it was very barbaric that our savior would die in this manner but the manner of dying on the cross was awful but it was not the worst thing the worst thing is being separated from God God placing all of our sins on Jesus that day think of the the billions of people's sins that were placed on him that God was ready to judge and he did judge his own son we we think about this what Isaiah talks about there well, Isaiah says this, the punishment from God we deserved was placed on him that day. Jesus was oppressed and afflicted, and by his stripes, the Bible says, we are healed. By his wounds, we are healed. He had to die. They caused so much punishment to his body that his body literally died. Some scholars some years ago used to say, no, he just fell asleep, and then he woke up and moved a, uh, almost a ton rock out of the way and walked out of the tomb, and no one ever knows where Jesus is anymore. How ignorant. How foolish, not ignorant, That's, ignorant means you don't know. How stupid can you possibly be? That, that, is, that is a willful walking away from the scripture saying, I want to make up some other story than what the word says. The word says Jesus truly died. Jesus truly was buried. And the Bible says he, was, he died among the wicked and was buried with the rich. Well, how'd that happen? And Isaiah 53 is loaded. We don't have time today to go into it, but how did that happen? Who was beside him on both sides? The wicked, Right? Who was released because Jesus, Pilate released one. Who did he release? That Barabbas. Bar means son of, Rabbis potentially means rabbi. The preacher's son got released through Jesus Christ. And on both sides were thieves, and they, they called out to Jesus. They mocked him and said, if you truly are the king, just like the people said, and then we know that one thief, we just sang about that thief, that dying thief on the cross, he turned and said, listen, truly this is the Son of God. And Jesus told him, today you will be with me in paradise. This thief, he got to see what Jesus got to see when they closed their eyes in death and then opened their eyes in glory. Could you, could you imagine getting a, a walk through glory with Jesus? Getting there about the same time, uh, just a little bit later than he did because we know that he died on the cross. He was killed. He was crucified between the wicked. But where was he buried? The Bible says there was a rich man, his name was Joseph of Arimathea, had a tomb, a, wo- a tomb that was hewn out of the mountainside that no one had ever used before. So he died between the wicked, as Isaiah said, on the cross, and he was buried among the rich, rich as 
was ha- that actually happened with Joseph, uh, Joseph's tomb. No one had ever used it. It was a borrowed tomb. Why did Jesus borrow a tomb? He had no plans of staying there. That's exactly right. He knew that he said in three days he'd be risen again. Well, the Bible says this, all of us like sheep have gone astray. We all sin. Romans 3.23, we know this verse. If you've been in church any time, it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's no one who does not sin. And then we understand this from the word of God. Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross made atonement for our sins. Romans 5.8 says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Does that make any sense to anybody? Does it make any sense to any of you? That your sins, while you're in the middle of your sins, child, teenager, adult, senior adult, while you were a sinner, Christ died for you. He, he made the way for you to get to heaven if you simply would ask him. Romans 6.23 told us, and Paul tells us, that the, the wages of our sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in and through Christ Jesus our Lord. It makes it that simple that we, there is but one way. And we know Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father. That's man, woman, boy, or girl. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's the good news on this Good Friday. Listen, this is good news. We know Sunday's coming. Why did Jesus do this great thing? Let me read this to you. If you would, go over to John 3. Let's just read this together. Sometimes we, we quote John three sixteen and we don't read 17 and 18 and on. But I want you to see this in John 3. Verse 16, Jesus has been talking to Nicodemus, and he told him in John 3, 3, Nicodemus, you must be born again. He's talking about a heavenly thing, and he says this in verse 16. When you're there, say amen. I know the scripture's up on on the board. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave his one and only begotten son, so that whosoever or whoever believes in him and trusts in him as Savior shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge and condemn the world, that is, to initiate the final judgment of the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Then he goes back in in verse 18, Whoever believes and has decided to trust in him as personal Savior and Lord is not judged. For this one, there is no judgment, no rejection, no condemnation, but the one who does not believe and has decided to reject him as personal Savior and Lord is judged already. That one has been convicted and sentenced because he has not believed and trusted in the name of the one and only begotten Son of God, the one who is truly unique, the one, the only one of his kind, the only one who alone can save him. Isn't that a word from the Lord that he tells us clearly? He didn't come to, he loves us so much, he didn't come to judge us, the final judgment that is, but he came to judge sin. And he judged sin. God judged sin that day when he put his judgment on Jesus Christ. Every person that goes to hell has made a decision. They will stand in the, in the gap between themselves and God and say, I'll take your punishment. Now, they wouldn't say that willfully, but that's what they're saying. I'll take the punishment. Give me the punishment. And no one ever that will be in hell forever will ever say, I didn't know. Jesus, he didn't make a way. There's no accusations in hell except, why did I not respond? Why did I not listen? Why did I not turn? And this is why you, my brothers and sisters, must be praying for our friends, our brothers and sisters, our, our family. We must be praying for them and not giving up. We must continue and talk about Good Friday. This is the best season ever to talk about the Lord Jesus Christ, except for Christmas. Not that there's a bad season, but this is the time that everyone's celebrating. This is the time for us to sing, to pray, to preach about Jesus. So why is Good Friday good? Good Friday's good because Jesus made a way through his shed blood on Calvary for you and for me to be saved. 
And I put this in there. What a wonderful Savior. Can you say that with me today? What a wonderful Savior. Let's say it really loud to him. What a wonderful Savior. And here's the question. Would you like to give your heart and your soul to the Lord Jesus Christ today if you never have? You say, well, it's supposed to be a quick in and out. I would rather feed you spiritual food than I had physical food. Because you can eat again. You'll be hungry again tomorrow. But when you satisfy that deep hunger inside of you, I'm going to be around here shortly. And I'll stay back in the sanctuary as people exit out to go have lunch. But if you want to talk about, hey, pastor, I truly never have accepted Jesus Christ. I've been in church my whole life. I've been baptized, but I never really have understood that Jesus Christ died just for me. I've never believed that or I've never professed that. I've just said, yes, I've, I've prayed a prayer, but I've, I've been baptized, but I'm still, I have these, all these questions in my heart. Listen, he wants you to settle it. Did God have a plan? Did God want you to be saved? He would that all men would come to the saving knowledge of him, he says. Right? Did he make the way? Then the only thing that's left is Romans 10, 13. It says, for whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the initiation you have to come when the Holy Spirit draws you to himself. says, listen, he's telling you the truth. This word is true. Isaiah preached it 500 years before Christ. Jesus demonstrated it 2,000 years ago. And Paul's preached it. John's preached it. Peter preached it. And even your pastor preaches it today, that you must be born again. And God has made the way, and he says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a simple, Lord, I want that in my life. Let me pray for us today. Father God, as we think about the shed blood of Jesus Christ, Father, how you did this for us. We know who we are. We know who we are when no one's looking. We know who we are when we get angry or frustrated or feelings get hurt or whatever it might be. We know who we are. And Father, even on a deeper level, you know who we are in a greater way. Lord, today there's people who sit in churches, who sing in the choir, maybe who preach that don't know you as their personal Lord and Savior. They know about you. But even James, in the book of James, the word says even the demons know about God and shudder. Lord, help us today. Anyone that's in this room or anyone watching my live stream today, help them come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.